Welcome back to Crossing the Jordan, everybody. I pray that you are all doing great. Today's episode, we're going to be talking about the rosary, the holy rosary of the Blessed Virgin Mary. This is something that I pray every single day, so I'm really passionate about it. And uh, just like our last Always More Wednesday episode, where we were talking about the Hail Mary, I highly suggest going back to listen to that. I thought that was going to be a five-minute episode. It ended up being about 25 minutes. Um, yeah, so profound and so beautiful. And uh, also talking about Mary, this is like kind of the the climax to from all of what we've talked about in the past about Mary. So, but I highly recommend going back to listen to those episodes if you haven't. There's probably a good like four or five hours just about Mary on there. Um, and there's always going to be more in the future. I know that, but for now, we're going to end. Um, by, by talking about the rosary. So today we're going to talk about what is the rosary, the origins of the rosary, and then kind of give an overview of the order and the mysteries of the rosary. Um, we're going to address the issue of repetitious prayer. And I'm going to talk about my own personal experience of how I came to learn it and uh, my very, very profound encounter and my experience with with Mary and the rosary in my life. So what is the rosary? The rosary is... Christ-centered. It is centered on Jesus. It is a Christ-centered prayer and meditation on the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Everything we do is Christocentric. It's Jesus that we focus on. And we're meditating on the life of Jesus through the lens, the eyes, the vision of the one who knew him best, his mother. I've had uh, profound profound encounters and just like I, I pray it daily and profound revelations with Jesus and Mary um, where there's just been like freedom from things and my heart struggles with things where the Lord just like speaks to me so clearly in the meditation of his uh, certain mysteries of his life. life. So um, the origins of the rosary actually go back uh, in the very... Th- uh, beginning of the church. So third century, there were Christian hermits and monks in Egypt. They're actually known as the desert fathers. They used stones and later called, they later made prayer ropes um, to keep track when they were, they were praying the 150 Psalms. So it was this, this repetitious um, meditation on the Psalms, right? Um, they prayed this daily, 150 Psalms every single day. And the way they kept track of it were making of these prayer ropes, which looked like rosaries. Um, and then various forms of the Jesus prayer, uh, the, you know, the prayer that's Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. That became really, really popular. And that short prayer was said over and over again in a type of mantra while counting beads. So on those prayer ropes. And then another uh, prayer that became really popular was the Our Father was prayed 150 times using those strings of beads with five decades. So this theme of prayer of praying through by the use of these like rosary beads to keep track of your prayers go all the way back to very very early on and then in the in the sixth century in the late five nine and uh the late 500s it became even more popular of praying the hail mary and bringing in marian devotion within those prayers um and then the rosary as we have it today first it, it really flourished uh in the like in the turn of the millennia so right around the year like 1000 um, but a lot of people think that Saint Dominic, who started the the religious order, the Dominicans, um, they believe that he. There are a lot of people that think that he actually started it. He didn't. He actually just he had it grow widely in 1214 because he had a vision of Mary, and she, 
is said to have presented him with the rosary, both of the bees and the prayers to be prayed. So, um, yeah, that devotion of the rosary began to spread all throughout Christendom, and it's grown still throughout today. Um, it's a beautiful prayer. And this is not just a prayer that um, Catholics do, uh, even though it is particularly Catholic, but um, a lot of Protestants, even a Protestant pastor, I forget his name, but he even prays it um, because it's so beautiful, and it's me- it's meditating on the life of Christ himself through the lens of his mother. So, uh, wouldn't that have been such a beautiful thing to to be there, to walk with Jesus? And that's what we get to do through meditation, through scripture, through the sacraments. We get to live with Jesus, and um, but particularly with the rosary, we get to pray and meditate on the life of Jesus through the lens of his mother. So the order of the rosary, so I'm just a quick overview. So like we said, it's Christ-centered, right? So so the events of Jesus's life or what we what refer to them as mysteries, there's 20 in total. So each day uh, you would meditate on five of them by pr- praying five decades of the rosary, right? So the whole rosary has five decades on it. So 10 consecutive prayers meditating on a single uh, mystery and the full rosary in a single day would have five mysteries, right? So there's four sets of those five set, five mysteries. There's the joyful, sorrowful, glorious, and luminous. So these are different types of uh, events in Jesus's life, right? So joyful, which is um, done typically, you can pray it however you want, but it's typically done on Saturday and Monday. The joyful mysteries are meditated on in the church. It's uh, first the Annunciation of Gabriel, the Archangel Gabriel to Mary in Luke 1, 26 through 38. It, then it's the visitation of Mary to Elizabeth, on, and that is in Scripture in Luke one forty through fifty six. Then we meditate on the third joyful mystery of Jesus' birth in Luke two six through twenty, and then the fourth joyful mystery is the presentation of Jesus in the temple in Luke two twenty one through thirty nine, and then the fifth joyful mystery is the finding of Jesus in the temple in Luke two forty one through fifty one. And then on Tuesdays and Fridays, we meditate on the sorrowful mysteries. It's the agony. The first sorrowful mystery is the agony in the garden in Matthew 26, 36 through 46. And then the second sorrowful mystery is the scourging at the pillar of Jesus. And that's in Matthew 27, 26. And then the third sorrowful mystery is the crowning of thorns in Matthew 27 through 29. And then the fourth sorrowful mystery is the carrying of the cross in John 19, 17. And the last fifth, the last and fifth sorrowful mystery is Jesus's crucifixion and his death, um, and that's in Luke twenty three thirty three through forty six. And then on Wednesdays and Sundays are the glorious mysteries, um, and this is the resurrection, ascension, descent of the Holy Spirit, Mary's assumption of her body and soul, and Mary's coronation, where she is crowned in heaven. So the first one, uh, the first glorious mystery is the resurrection in Luke 24, 1 through 12. Then Jesus' ascension to, he- to heaven in Luke 24, 50 through 51. Then the third glorious mystery is the descent of the Holy Spirit in Acts 2, 1 through 4. And then the fourth glorious mystery is Mary's ba- assumption of her body and soul into heaven in Revelation 12. And that is the perfect image of our future hope as what Jesus did for his mother. He came to do for all of us to resurrect our entire bodies. 
And she is the perfect image of that. And then the fifth glorious mystery is the is Mary's coronation, where she is clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of 12 stars is placed on her head. And that's in Revelation 12 as well. And then the last, uh, the last of the sets um, is the luminous mystery. And this was actually added by Pope St. John Paul II in the year 2002. Beautiful. Um, and this is typically prayed or meditated on on Thursday within the church. So the first luminous mystery is the baptism of Jesus in Matthew 3, 1 through 7. The second luminous mystery is the miracle at Cana, John 2, 1 through 12. The third luminous mystery is the proclamation of the kingdom of God. Uh, that's found in multiple places, but Matthew 10, 7 through 8 is a good one. Um, and then the fourth luminous mystery is the transfiguration of Jesus in Luke 9, 28 through 36. And then the fifth luminous mystery is the institution of the Holy Eucharist in Luke 22, 19 through 20. So those are the four sets of the, the mysteries that we meditate on. So the order of the rosary is, um, if you have a rosary right now, you would be able to pull out and like the actual crucifix itself, you would say the Apostles' Creed on. And the first bead up, you'd pray an Our Father. Then the next three beads, you pray three Hail Marys. And typically, people would pray and ask for uh, the gifts of faith, hope, and charity, those theological uh, um, virtues. And then, then we would play. And then in between each of those, like those Hail Marys and the, to the next bead, it's always a glory be. So glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. And then uh, also in the rosary in the last uh, century was the Oh My Jesus prayer, which is actually from the Marian apparition in Fatima when she appeared in 1917 to three children. And we pray this in the rosary and it's, Oh my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. So again, it's the Apostles' Creed, the Our Father, then three Hail Marys, a Glory Be, and then an Oh My Jesus. And then you're ready to start the meditation of the mysteries. So the first one, you would um, like proclaim it. So today is is Sunday when I'm um, recording this, but Sunday you would say the first glorious mystery, the resurrection of Jesus. And you'd meditate on that while you're praying the next set of the Ros- of the decade. So you would say an Our Father after that, then 10 Hail Marys, then a Glory Be, and then an Oh My Jesus. And then you would pray the second glorious mystery, and then an Our Father, 10 Hail Marys, Glory Be, and then an Oh My Jesus. So that's a consistent theme all the way throughout. And then once you get to the very end, after you're meditating on the fifth mystery at the very end, you come all the way back around, and after the last Glory Be and Oh My Jesus, we pray a Hail Holy Queen. And the prayer is this. Hail, Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. To thee do we cry, poor banished children of Eve. To thee do we send up our sighs, mourning and weeping in this valley of tears. Turn then, most gracious Advocate, thine eyes of mercy towards us, and after this our exile, show unto us the blessed fruit of thy womb. Jesus, O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary, pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. And then we would pray uh, a last prayer of the Hail Mary, which is, O God, whose only begotten Son, by his life, death, and resurrection, has purchased for us the rewards of eternal life. Grant, we beseech thee, that meditating upon these mysteries of the most holy rosary of the Blessed Virgin Mary, 
we may imitate what they contain and obtain what they promise through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. And then what I like to do, and it's a popular practice as well, is at the very end, those last three beads coming all the way back around onto the crucifix is pray for the Pope and his prayer intention. So Pope Francis um, releases a monthly prayer intention. So right now in the month of November, it's dialogue and reconciliation in the Near East. So I pray uh, for that intention and I pray in our Father, a Hail Mary and a Glory Be. So um, yeah, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful prayer. And at the end too, just to touch on it briefly, the Hail Holy Queen, Mother Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness and our hope. So when we say uh, she's the Queen of Heaven and when we say she is our life, our sweetness and our hope, it's not that she of herself, right? It's, it's Jesus um, that obtained that perfect image of life, sweetness, and hope, which Mary fully contains in herself because of what Jesus has done in her, right? So that is um, kind of just a little brief introduction to that beautiful prayer. Um, but we're asking for her to pray for us that we would um, fully submit to the will of her son Jesus to become Uh, virtuous like she was, you know, that by the merits of her son, Jesus, we would be be perfected in love. And we also ask as our mother, just like she is the new Rachel, right? How Rachel interceded for all of Israel, the entire old kingdom of Israel. She would intercede for those that were still in uh, this battle, right? And we're still in this battle. We are walking. We want to have heaven here on earth, but we are still here in this earth and we want people to be transferred and from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's beloved son, Jesus, right? So as we're walking, Jesus in this new exile that he, he is as the new Moses, he has given us a new exodus. And so we walk through this, uh, this valley of tears and that's in this, that's a reference to the Psalms. And so she intercedes for us and we are, uh, new children, um, of the new Eve, Mary, right? So Eve was the mother of all the living. And in Jesus, we share everything that Jesus has, including his mother and his father and his Holy Spirit, right? So, and as, uh, in Jesus, his mother intercedes for us as the new Eve, um, to be walking with strong faith in this life. So that is just an overview of the rosary itself. But I just want to pull out some beautiful, beautiful backdrops to this. So let's talk about the Davidic kingdom backdrop. So the Hebrews had this Sabbath principle of victory around the city of Jericho, right? So this was when they were going to take the promised land um, in the Old Testament. So They've been uh, in the wilderness and now they are finally going to conquer the Jer- Jericho. And what they did was they walked, about, walked around the city with the Ark of the Covenant. And over seven days, they did seven trips around the city and seven trumpets being blasted by the priest. And then they shouted for victory. So this beautiful backdrop to this is we too have the same with the rosary, right? Because just as they had seven days, seven trips, seven trumpets in total. So they had the count of 49 or 50, right? Because every single day for seven days, they did seven trips around the city. So, And so too, we walk with the Ark of the New Covenant, which is Mary, right? Our Lady is the Ark of the New Covenant, and she has victory with her son, Jesus. Um, so we pray the rosary and it's a decade, right? So it's 49 plus one gets us 50. So we too, in the, in the new covenant, we walk with victory with our King Jesus 
and Our Lady, the Ark of the New Covenant, around uh, shouting for victory, right? It's this victory cry. And so when we have the Ark of the Covenant with us, we too, like David, the king, King David, he leaped for joy when the Ark of the Lord came to him. And like John the Baptist and Elizabeth's womb leaped for joy when the mother of the Lord, Mary, who is now the Ark of the New Covenant, came to Elizabeth, we too leap for joy and rejoice when we pray the rosary. So we meditate on the life of Jesus, just how Psalm 1-2 says, whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. It's the delight to meditate on the law. But now we meditate not on the law of the letter, but the eternal word, Jesus, just like his mother did when she would ponder and meditate on her son in her heart multiple times in scripture, right? So we have this beautiful, beautiful strength in prayer, and it's um, this intercession that God wills in union with all of the body of Christ. We are never disconnected because of what Jesus has done for us. So um, as we walk through this, this life here, we are connected to all of heaven, and we intercede with each other to God to continue manifesting his victory, his kingdom, that, that, uh, that victory that Jesus has won for all of us in the rosary every single time we pray it. And so, uh, including myself, before I became Catholic, I had an issue with any repetitious prayer, right? Because it looks like Jesus condemns repetitious prayer. So where this happens is Matthew 6, 5 through 14. And I just want to address the, the issue of repetitious prayer. So Jesus here in Matthew 6, 5 through 14, this is right after the Beatitudes in Matthew 5. And he continues on this discourse of all these different ways of Christian living through all these different topics, right? So Jesus gives us two examples of wrong prayer, and then he gives us the example of right prayer when he gives us the Our Father. So the two examples of the wrong prayer that Jesus condemns is, the first one is the hypocrites who prayed out in the street. So he's uh, condemning praying, people praying to be seen, to look externally righteous or holy. And it's wrong because it's focused on self and it's prideful and the care of what others think, but not on God who actually seeks the heart. Jesus is always after our heart. Our heart has to be in the right disposition with God. We don't, we don't pray for other. We don't pray to look externally, externally holy. We go pray in our secret place, right? In our heart, on our secret place with God. Like no matter, even if nobody saw, even when everything was going wrong, it's still intimacy with God. And that's what Jesus is calling us to. The second example of wrong prayer that Jesus condemns is praying like the Gentiles did, who in the first century believed out of superstition that they would get something good from God merely out of saying the right things the right amount of times. So the Gentile, there was a certain group of the Gentile of Gentiles that would literally pray repetitious prayer out of complete superstition, thinking that if I keep saying these words, um, it's just like God is a vending machine. Like he'll just pour out all of these good things that I want, right? And superstition is condemned by Jesus here, and it's been condemned by the church from the very beginning. This is not a faith of superstition. Faith is not superstition. Faith is this this will, this surrender, this trust, this childlike faith in God, um, this strong this strong disposition of the heart. And that is what matters to God, is that disposition of the heart in prayer. So we need the perfect love of Jesus, his law of love in our heart, 
to love God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind, even in the midst of times it doesn't make sense or we don't get what we prayed for, but that we decide to still worship him, still praise him, and still thank him purely because he is perfectly good. He is our father. He deserves it all, and he is worthy of it all. That because his son Jesus purchased it all for us, we can always stand in union with him, whether we're suffering, whether we're victorious, highs or lows. All the victories are his, and all of our failures, we, we, we give it to him. We give it to him for his glory. So at the end of any prayer, it's that we can be with Jesus and say, not my will be done, but your will be done. So that repetitious prayer of the gen, of that certain group of Gentiles who would pray out of superstition, they it was the superstition of their, their just heaping up prayers was what Jesus was condemning, right? And we don't pray like that as Christians. It's not my will be done, Father, but your will be done, just as Jesus said in the agony of the garden. So then Jesus, right after giving these two examples of wrong prayer that he just condemns, he gives us the right example of prayer when he gives us the Our Father, which is the prayer of intimacy with our Father in heaven. And we're going to do another podcast on the Our Father sometimes because it truly is inexhaustible and so beautiful that we get to call God our Father. As Christians, but Jesus tells us to pray this, the Our Father. When you pray, you pray like this. And he didn't mean for us to say it one time, right? All Christians say it throughout our Christian journey. We pray it all the time uh, when we are together. I would pray it uh, with my entire team before football games growing up. So Jesus clearly isn't condemning repetitious prayer in and of itself, but is condemning the root of the heart and prayer of pride and superstition, which is not intimacy with God, but it's pride and superstition. But Jesus himself gives us a prayer with the Our Father to repeat. And Jesus himself repeated the same prayer multiple times in the Garden of Gethsemane when he's asking the Father, let this cup pass from me. And as a Jewish man, Jesus would pray the Psalms throughout the day that was repetitious. They would go to the um, to the synagogue and read the Psalms or sing the Psalms. So, which the church, by the way, still does today in the Liturgy of the Hours, which is another thing that we'll discuss in another episode. It's so beautiful. Pray the Psalms throughout the day because it's this beautiful connection of of uh, Jude- Judaism and Christianity and Jesus fulfilled all those Psalms, you know? And not only that, but just like in nature itself, like we are creatures of repetition. Every single day we have a routine. Even our church services are routines. No matter where you go, it's a routine. Your workday is a routine. We are creatures of habit and God doesn't condemn us for that, right? He created order. His whole creation is ordered. The sun rises and it sets. The sun rises and it sets. And even the worship of heaven that's discussed in Revelation 4, 8 says that the angels do not cease ever saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. So even the worship of heaven is repetitious worship. So repetition is not bad. And actually it's so beautiful. Like God told us to repeat these things, right? When he told us to pray this way, to do these things. We see it in the Old Testament all the time and how the how God instituted himself the temple, the tabernacle, and the worship of the temple and the tabernacle, of these rituals, these um, these repeatable acts of worship and sacrifice and love. And in the new covenant as Christians, when he instituted the Eucharist, the, the worship that we would have here as Christians in the Mass, he said, do this in memory of me. It is that, that tradition, that handing on of repeating, doing this in memory of me. And so 
we're told from God himself to repeat these things. And what's so beautiful about that is that that is the way that um, our our life as Christians, it's not just go to work and do these things and, and do and have these repetition, but it is living our our life, our rhythm of life with God at the center of it all to be every single part of our day is filled with God, living the sacramental life and also living in the power of the Holy Spirit everywhere we go to bring heaven to earth. Um, just as how Jesus brought heaven to earth in the incarnation and at every single mass that we go to, uh, we live that as Christians, heaven here on earth, that in the daily repetitious um, repeat of our daily lives, the rhythm of it all, God is there and he calls us there and he meets us there and he actually transforms that into the power of heaven in our lives. So Jesus isn't condemning repetitious prayer. He's condemning repetitious prayer out of pride of, hey, God, I know what I need to do and this is I just need you to give it for me. And he's condemning superstition anything, that it's out of a lack of intimacy with God, that disposition of the heart is what Jesus is concerned about, which is having humility and trust in God. But having that right disposition of the heart, having that faith that Jesus is calling us to, that intimacy with God, to be able to say with Jesus, not I, not my will be done, but your will be done, repetitious prayer can be so beautiful. In the rosary, every single time I pray it, I dive deeper with Jesus every single time because now I don't have to like think of like the right words to say. It's just like me being intimate with God. It's just me being intimate with God and with Jesus's mother Mary and our mother too. So this way of meditation is so beautiful because it allows our hearts to be even more open. I don't have to worry about what I'm going to say. I'm just going to be receptive to receiving God's love in that moment of the of intimacy, right? So it's just like uh, a, like a couple, like a like a married couple, they actually dive deeper in intimacy when they already know what they're communicating to each other. They're just going to be even more receptive and open because they know what each other are like. They're in union with each other. They don't have to think awkwardly of what to say. So Jesus here isn't just merely uh, condemning repetition in and of itself, or is he condemning, you know, praying out in public in and of itself, right? So like when he says, pray in your secret place. Don't pray like the hypocrites who stand out and on the corners to be seen by men, right? To look righteous. But he says, go into your secret place where your father will reward you. So he doesn't mean strictly never to pray in public because back in Matthew 5, 16, he even says, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. So it's the disposition of the heart, right? So one is to not be uh, out of pride or to be seen, but in that secret place of your heart to be giving it to God, right? So even when you are doing stuff in public, that it's for the glory of God and it's for people to be drawn to the Father, right? And that's what Jesus has done, has, has revealed the Father's heart. And that's what we're called to do as all Christians is to reveal the Father's heart as a Christian, right? So, so we let... All of these things be seen by God out of humility because we love God and love this person. It's humility. It's not pride. And he's not condemning repetitious prayer in and of itself, but he's condemning superstition as opposed to having trust and faith, which which Jesus is calling us to. So it's having that right disposition of your heart of pure love internally for God and for neighbor that Jesus offers, which comes through humility and trust and faith for that internal transformation that Jesus truly wants to give our hearts. So how I actually learned the rosary, I was actually really uncomfortable with it for a long time. Um, 
a long time, meaning obviously before I was Catholic, I didn't like anything that was Catholic, um, that seemed Catholic. But uh, before I even came into the church, I was still like getting comfortable with praying these these things, you know. But during that time uh, of the RCI, RCI class, I would just listen to the audio on my car ride on the way to work because I had no idea how to pray it. So um, there's multiple ways to learn it. And that the best way to do anything is just go do it. <laughs> and I'll leave two uh, different links in the show notes that kind of that have links to a rosary guide that's a text and then a rosary guide for audio. And then I just wanted to share the power of this in my own life. So I think everybody on this podcast has heard about my encounter with Mary at Lourdes in uh, summer of 2018, June 29th to be exact. Had about an eight to 10 minute dialogue with Mary and she revealed a bunch of things, including my vocation to be a husband and a dad and things about my own life. And uh, yeah, it was just awesome. But the thing I'm gonna focus on specifically here was when I asked her, I'm just like, I'm bawling my eyes out. And I asked her, what about my family? Um, What about my mom and my dad? And she said, pray the rosary daily and love them. My son has it all taken care of in his hands. And so after that time, I started, I mean, I was praying the rosary daily. And um, both of my parents came into the church this next Easter. (laughs) My mom uh, and my dad got married in the church. My mom was baptized, confirmed in First first Communion, and my dad was confirmed. Um, They came into the church together Easter of 2019, just this past year. And I can't deny that this was obviously a fruit of the rosary. And I've seen so many fruits of this, of, of it happen, of Mary's powerful intercession. And when my encounter at Lourdes, before I even heard her speak, I'm already crying, I have no idea why. It's just, I knew, like I could feel Mary's presence and I could feel her just like telling me that she's always been my mother and the power of her prayers are inexhaustible. We'll never understand it fully. But, um, and I just love that she told me to pray the rosary daily and to love them. And sometimes I didn't love them the way I should and I'm asking God's grace for that, for just to be, perfected in love. So, but I love that she said pray and to love them because that's what we're called to as Christians to intercede and pray. Yes, but we're called ultimately to love, which it's a both and, right? It's this interceding now that with we're in union with Jesus in heaven, we our powers are so our prayers are so powerful. Interceding is the will of God in Christ Jesus. But we are called to love, which is an action of self-giving, of loving, willing the good of another, right? It's responding, moving, and acting with the grace of God, which is always a movement of love, as that is what God is. He is love. God is love, right? So we know that when it's God's grace moving in us, if it's an act of love. And so it's an, God revealed himself in Jesus as this the triune God, an eternal outpouring of love to one another. And so love is the supreme fulfillment of God's law, and that's what we're called to as Christians. St. Paul says in the middle of his discourse on all the gifts of the Spirit, in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, he's giving this dialogue, this discourse on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But right in the middle of it, in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, he says, Faith, hope, and love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Jesus says, people will know that you are my disciples by the way you love. 
the way you love is gonna people will know that you are my disciples and his commandment is love god and love neighbor period love is the fulfillment of everything and it is not the love is not the way of the world understands love but love is jesus on the cross a full outpouring no matter what i will go to the end for the truth for the goodness to will the good of the other, to love. That is the fulfillment of it. So I just love that Mary said that to me, that pray the rosary daily for them and love them. It is a both and. We intercede with power from on high with the Holy Spirit dwelling within us and we are seated in heavenly places with Jesus and we have an open heavens over us, access to all of heaven from our awesome, good, good Father that loves to pour out blessings um, and he works good for all those that that love him but we're also called to love. Jesus said, you feed the hungry, you give drink to the thirsty, you clothe the naked, you heal the sick, you go do these things. This is what Jesus said, right? And love is the outpouring of self to will the good of the other. So I pray that this rosary um, podcast, this episode was fruitful for you. And I pray that every single person will fall in love with the rosary and dive deeper and deeper in intimacy with Jesus and his mother.